This is Push to Talk, the Health Push podcast. I'm Dr. Afosu Obamwen, and for this episode, I'm sitting down with Angus Martin, owner of East London-based fitness studio Lift. Angus is a man on a mission. His goal, to bring balance to the fitness industry, both literally and figuratively. The core principles of the studio's stripped-down and function-focused classes have caught the attention of a range of major publications, most recently Men's Health, but also Esquire and Mr. Porter, among others. I learned a lot during our conversation, and I hope you do too. Hope you enjoy the episode. So yeah, let's start off by just talking a little bit about your upbringing, how you got into fitness initially, and yeah, go on. So, I mean, I, I, I was lucky enough to grow up around the world, really. I was born in the UK and then moved quickly to the US. Um, but then sport really started for me when I moved over to Taiwan. Um, that was quite young. I was still sort of seven years old. But yeah. I was, you know, my mother was, you know, God bless her. She put so much effort into our uh, our exercise, which was a major part of the school, um, the school structure around sort of the fitness program that there was for the kids out there. Um, and actually, I started doing a lot of running, a lot of swimming, um, competitively around around Southeast Asia, representing oh, wow. international yeah. schools. Yeah, this thing called the Phobosia Games, and I think that was kind of my first, my first, in many ways, my first sort of foray into into sort of competitive sport, if you like. Um, See, so then we we eventually moved back to the UK, um, and when we come back to the UK, that was you know back into to British schools. So we're talking you know rugby, hockey, yeah. football. Um, rugby was what naturally appealed to me. I think as a sort of hot, <laughs> as, as a hot-headed, you know, aggressive yeah. young guy, you know, and, and I sort of fell in fell in love with the game for a long time. Um, but then I quickly sort of fell out of it as well. You know, there was a the, the, the sort of the competitive or the culture behind or that was driving a lot of the people playing mm-hmm. wasn't didn't align with sort of me as as I matured and, and grew up. How long did you play for? Uh, I played well. I played decent level from well from being 12 years old up to about 20, 20 you know and uh, I hurt my ankle Solid, just yeah. before I just before I sort of went away and had a bit of a trip um, abroad um, but then I came back I tried to get into it at uni but then the the, the culture just wasn't for me man mm. you know I'm, I'm not that guy so I, I stepped away from it so you played rugby from the age of 12 to around 20 mm. and then you we're into bodybuilding for how yeah. long? Yeah, so I mean, I think naturally rugby was it was a time when it was about bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, it was this is the time it's like the Danny Grewcocks, these these, <laughs> huge, this, these huge lumps, you know, and they, they were monsters of men, monsters of men. And, and as a as a sort of a, a, a I suppose in my own mind a small a small yeah agile back row, you know, I was still I was still decent size, but I wasn't six <laughs> six, you know. I think there was a, there was sort of instilled in me at a young age. I needed to get bigger. You needed to be bigger, and that kind of I suppose started the what what I now perceive to be a, a downward spiral into dysfunction. Mm. Um, and, and just doesn't seem that way at the time, does it? No, yeah. no, it didn't. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the classic. I mean, I got myself in there. I got real big um, when I because the bodybuilding turned into powerlifting, and then. As I grew older, you know, things it's, it's easy to put on muscle at those yeah. age. So when I got to uni, um, I didn't drink at uni. Uh, I had some, I had some, some uh, personal issues going on. Um, mm. So I, I stepped away from from the drink and I threw myself into powerlifting. And I took a lot of that. That therapy was my was my training was that, that getting that anger out on the on the deadlift, the bench, yeah. and the squat. 
Um, and then obviously as my knowledge increased and improved, I was able to put on all this size. I mean, the heaviest I took the scales at um, was 110 kilos. Um, Seriously? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm 83 at the moment sitting here. So I, uh, that is where I got, I got myself into a real pickle with it, to be honest with you. And, and I said, mum's always right. She said, yeah, you're going to hurt yourself and carry <laughs> on like this. And then sure enough, when I was 24, my elbows completely packed up, my left side. So uh, when I eventually went for an MRI, they said, this is the kind of MRI scan we see in people in their late 50s. So I'd really done some damage to my joints. Yeah. Um, ended up with an elbow arthroscopy, which turned into minor reconstruction. When they actually got in there, it was, they said it was a real mess. Um, and then I, I, was, I couldn't do anything. That, that was me done. You know, I, yeah. I'd, I'd got myself to a point where I'd, I'd, I was the biggest guy in that gym. I was lifting the most and it, there was nowhere else to, to go other than go and do these massive competitions, get into potentially get into, you know, the darker side of things. Yeah. And uh, it just, something just came to me and that was my epiphany and the elbow went and, uh, you know, was, that was a tough time because I'd been lifting, been active my whole life. And for 18 months I had an arm that wouldn't straighten, you know, mm. and then, um, after the operation, I was then, you know, God bless the NHS again, you know, they do an amazing job. But when you're in a young athletic guy, you know, you're treated like anybody else with an elbow in injury and they don't have the resources to give me the kind of the kind of care that I, I needed. needed. You know, I'm not a professional athlete, nor was I a wealthy young man. So, mm. you know, I was actually pretty, pretty, you know, I was working on hog roast and putting up marquees. Yeah. I couldn't afford expensive physios and, and massage every week. So that kind of, I had to delve deeper into my own understanding of what I've done and how to undo it. Um, and then as I, as I sort of, as I, as I developed and developed my knowledge and developed the application of that knowledge to myself, I, I noticed that this was a huge, this dysfunction, if you like, was a huge problem far, far beyond just people going to the gym. This was something that everybody else could benefit from. Yeah. And in my eyes, there was no vessel or there was no, there was no one pushing that narrative at the time. Um, and I felt that, yeah, there's a real market for this. And so that's these how are the origins of lift. Yes. As it were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It comes from very like the ethos and the ethics behind it come from a very personal place, a personal mm. journey. And I figured if I'd done that in 10 years at the intensity that I was working, what are people who are, who are being pushed the same narrative or believing the same narrative, maybe working half as hard. What are they like in 20, 30 years? Yeah. And then I got into re reading up on, you know, medical devices, the medical device industry how things like hip replacements, knee replacements, the, the statistics behind these. And really when you actually delve into the understanding of biomechanics and the understanding of the hip, understanding of the foot, understanding of the knee, understanding of the shoulders, mm. you start to see that these, these areas that are, are being so, so traumatized and, and affected and having to be actually, um, I suppose, having intervention with, with medical devices, this is yeah. fueled essentially by dysfunction. And what we have is we live in increasingly sedentary lives and we are pushed a fitness narrative, which is hugely focused on the superficial, the, the aesthetics. And actually what that does, dominating these sort of dominating the deeper and intermediate tissues with, with superficial muscle actually encourages and promotes this dysfunction. So what's happening is people are going to the gym under the, under the guise that this is fitness, wellness, I'm getting better. And actually they're stoking the fire. They're pouring fuel, fuel on it, you know, not mm -hmm. putting it out. And that's what lift is. It comes to take, you know, change that around. That's yeah. the idea, restore some balance. So you're a big advocate of the teachings of Dr. Janda. 
Could mm. how did you initially come across his work, and could you tell us a little bit? Now I have to give uh, a friend of mine, Bevan Mark. He's a he's a PT actually, and okay. he he put me onto this when I was when I was you know, beginning my own personal journey. And uh, Vladimir Jander is an interesting guy. Like he he, he was essentially he came wanted to categorize sports people into into movement de- pattern deficiencies, if you like. And and then his his research then extended far beyond. Um, just the just the athlete, yeah. and actually realized, you know, not not dissimilar to what I've said, is that actually this affects everyone. everyone. Exactly, yeah. man. And I think I like Janda because it's simple to understand. I think in a, in a world where we're being marketed so much, so so often, and this is right, this is wrong, this is so much black and white. And actually, like there, it is gray, but there is also if we can hush the noise and actually, I suppose, focus on things that are easy for, for the every man to understand, then it's a it's much it's much easier for me as a coach to then provide context so that they can apply that outside of necessarily lift and, and actually everything that they do. Whether it's yeah. sitting down, sit, you know, playing, going to the gym, lifting their own weights. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying that actually do it with a bit of um, a bit more understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And a bit it's all about context. So the, going back to your question about gender is the reason it's it's, it's super simple. We talk about upper cross, lower cross. So, so upper cross is the chronic tightening of the pecs, the pec minor yeah. particularly, which then will shoot the left scap off. Okay, which is again, they're, they're intermediate muscles. These we're not talking superficial. These are things you don't see, if you mm. like. Now, what that does is it creates a, a, a phenomenon called reciprocal inhibition, which is where the neuromuscular signals going to the the, the, the muscles between sort of the T4 to T7 vertebrae in the middle of your back actually switch off. Because the, the signals, if you like, in really simple terms, are being so, are so dominated by sort of the anterior muscles and the, the elevating muscles of the neck, then by you know simply by the nature of this reciprocal inhibition, we end up actually getting dysfunction and imbalance between that system, and that's what creates these hunched, hunched shoulders. Hence, upper cross. I mean, lower cross. Just for, you know, while we're on it, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, well. it's the same. It's I mean, it's, it's, it's the hip flexors, it's the adductors firing up. No glutes, reciprocal inhibition of the glutes, no external rotation of the femur, people wearing then wearing poor shoes, not understanding the function of the feet and how the feet are actually they're there to connect you to the floor and allow the legs to be transmitters. And what happens is we've got these shaky transmitters with no stabilization at the floor nor at the hip. So the knee is just the poor guy is just in the middle getting battered, you know. <laughs> And this is, I mean, I, I always laugh. I, I, I watch people running in the park and I'm like, I've, I've been close to stopping people sometimes. You know, they've got <laughs> knee straps on, got this massive pronating feet and their knees just like, bam, bam, bam. And no one's telling them otherwise. It's just like, so it goes to a No hip, one teaches they, you how to run, Well, they, they go to a hit class and someone's like, do more jump squats, motherfucker. And it's like, no way, stop that. <laughs> stop right now. You're going to really cause some damage. Not now, maybe not tomorrow. I can't tell you when, but you're sitting on a time bomb. And let's mm. let's like actually try and educate people that let's diffuse this thing now. Let's listen to the body whisper before it screams. And that's the key. Absolutely. Um, so what should someone expect coming to their first class at Lyft? What would they expect? I mean, it depends. We get a really interesting like variety of great demographic of people, great people. Very we you know, said I said to you earlier, we you know, if, if I believe that the fitness narrative that, that, is, that is marketed out there is pushed in and is appealing to maybe 20% of the population. And what I find that what we try to do with Lyft is actually create something which is appealing to a broad spectrum of people. Yeah. So actually, the, my, I'm not my using 
sort of someone who was from my background is not necessarily a good example of who we get. Someone who's come from my background takes a bit of convincing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to show them, give them what they want in order to show them what they need in many yeah. ways. And the things like the handstand and the rings, what's fantastic about that is they're beautifully humbling. So you can have the biggest muscles and the biggest six pack in the gym, but you put someone on the rings, they start shaking, you know? And they're shaking and you see it and suddenly they're like, oh shit, man. And now I'm humbled. <laughs> and, now, and now they're receptive. You see what I'm saying? Well, because they need to be shown the holes in their game. You see it massively with these guys who come in and I see myself in them, you know, big pecs, big biceps. We put them in brace positions. I mean, they're shaking all over the place. They can't control their lumbar spine. They can't control their thoracic. They can't fire their glutes. And then all of a sudden, you just, they're vulnerable to you. And that's what's brilliant because we, it's, a very, it's, a, it's, a, it's a calming environment. It's a neutral environment. There are smiles. There are, there's, everybody is included. So it doesn't matter if you've got muscles or if you've got nothing. We are all there and you're all on that sort of, we say show shin, so the beginner's mindset. Yeah. And it's a, what's fantastic about gymnastics is that it, and skill-based learning is it will always return you to the student's mind and yeah. it never changes. You know, I have a coach, Will Brown, he's, a, he's I can't speak highly enough for the guy. Um, I'm now surrounding the gym with some of the best guys and girls in London. And you know, you, you can, you never stop learning. You never ever stop learning. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge uh, strength of the bow of lift is that, you know, a, a bench press is always a bench press, but a handstand, I mean, how far do you want to go? Press, Absolutely. one hand, you know, some of these shapes <laughs> that these guys can do, man. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm humbled, humbled <laughs> by the, uh, the Cirque du Soleil guys. They're incredible. But the, my point is, is that that, can, that sort of continuum or that trajectory, that never stops. And so people come back for more. And I guess from a, from a business perspective, that's great. But at the same time, we're, we're actually pushing something which I feel is incredibly ethical. It leaves people mm. smiling, clapping, you know, high-fiving. There's inclusivity in there. And you don't see that in a, on a commercial gym floor. You see headphones on, checking each other out, who's bigger, who's lifting more. You know, there's a very awkward conversation. You're using that rack, bro. Yeah. You know, you know it's, it's, and we don't get any of that. Everyone's smiling, interacting, talking, connecting. And we don't just connect the body, we connect these people as well. That's one of the first thing I noticed. So I've done two sessions now. The first one was a shock to the system. Yeah. I really felt it and I think, but you were like, you were incredibly patient. Um, but it is the fact that everybody there is very welcoming, like you feel at home, mm. whether or not you are the best at, well, whether or mm. not you're struggling, you feel as you feel comfortable yeah. there and you feel like it's an environment where you can learn and get better. Mm. Um, so what, why do you think Lyft's message resonates so strongly with people? I think the world is very noisy. I think there's a lot of noise, a lot of noise, particularly around, you know, around fitness. It's a huge, it's a huge part of everyone's lives. Don't even go on Instagram without seeing a picture of someone's butt or six pack, <laughs> you know what I mean? I actually actively try and avoid it, but unfortunately it's very difficult given the industry that I'm in. Yeah. Um, I've always said like, for, for me personally, I have my own beliefs and that, that's not what's important here, but Lyft is me personified in, in, in many ways. And I feel that, I describe Lyft as my island and I didn't like the competition. I didn't like the ego driven environments. So actually what I wanted to create was somewhere where we can escape that and we can escape the carnage on the news in the morning. We can come in there and everybody's there talking about handstands and, and talking about what they're achieving, what's their goals, how are they, they going to move forward with this? And I think 
that's really there what 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 the, the nuts and the nuts and bolts of what drives sort of for me every day is to make sure that we create a space which is a, a, an alternative to the to the, the dogma that is that mm. is that is presented as, the, as to the to the mainstream now yeah one common theme that i noticed is balance mm. um not only literal balance um, but also in your philosophies and the way you think about things mm. um do you think that would you describe that as one of your core philosophies yeah man i mean it's black like life's not black and white it's gray you know so you can use a yin and yang sort of mm. example mm. there balance is interesting like you know, there's a lot of people telling you this is wrong this is this is right perform your own opinion and understand that you know have the skill to listen be have, have critical thinking of what people are telling you but then also being vulnerable to other um, to other ideas and, and and other people. I think that's massively key is that vulnerability. And I think perhaps that's lost a lot in the modern male, particularly because you know we've got a we've got a generation who who everyone knows best, and actually no one knows anything. You know, you're a lot. You know, I'd say we're a bunch of hairless apes spinning on a rock <laughs> in infinite nothingness, and no one knows what's going on. So actually, let's let's be a bit more. Let's listen. Let's be a little more critical of what we're hearing, open-minded, and actually, you're always the always the student. Show some vulnerability. You'll be amazed at how far it gets you. You know, no, as, as Ronnie Feig, is one of my idols, says, is nothing ever good. Stem Kith, right? Yeah, Kith, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, Kith. Uh, Keith, Chris Stamps, Teddy Santos, Amy Ondoz, these, yeah. these US guys. They, they, were, they were the guys on my wall when I was trying to, well, not them, actually, their brands. Yeah. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, but their, their brands were on my wall when I was just conceptualizing, conceptualizing our branding message. And, and Ronnie says, uh, nothing good ever stemmed from competition. And the older I get, the more I understand that. And, you know, a bit like us here, it's all about collaboration and it's connecting and it's, it's, it's share, a shared goal. It's much better than a personal pursuit. And you know, let's share it, and let's let's provide people with a with a platform to do that. Uh, and you talked briefly about social media, and how if kind of it's such a messy, noisy space at the moment. What do you think is next in terms of the fitness space? Like, what do you see happening? Because I feel like um, it's got noisier progressively over mm. the years as people realize that it was such a money making machine. Mm. Um, what what happens now? Where does where it go from here? Well, there was a guy like I think. And I, I can't coin this term. Is there's a, there's a guy who, when I was bodybuilding, who coached me and my friend for a little bit. A guy called Adam Reed. And, and one thing I what resonated with me is that everything works. Everything works. You know, depending on what your goal is, every type of fitness works. The issue is, is that we're so polarizing, and the world is so polarizing. You're conservative. You're labor. You're you're this. You're that. I'm black. Mm. You're white. Everyone you know. wants to have a team. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. And I think the thing, the key is, is that there 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 isn't, you know, that, and that there is this beautifully gray area where actually people are looking for. Um, sorry, so what was the going back to that question? Man, I've, it was social media. Oh, uh, social job. media. Sorry, man. I lost my train of thought when you were waving at me. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So I think, like, yeah, social media, everyone's black, everyone wants to be a team. You know, you know, I see a lot of people on fitness posts who are saying, like, this is right, this person's wrong. And actually, man, like, dude, no one's right and wrong. Like, you, what you do works, what she does or he does works. But the reality is, is that there are kind of fundamental principles that we need to talk about before we engage in kind of the, the cherry, if you like, which is the actual exercise itself. Yeah. And that's when, you, you know, you mentioned gender and, you know, with gender, is that, that's something that you can apply to everything. So if, if your matrix of movement, for example, is based around sitting at a desk for eight or nine hours a day, 
and you're in an sort of an anteriorly dominant position. So your hip flexors are on, we're, we're in the sat, sat down position, mm. the shoulders are hunched over, no matter how hard we try, we get sucked into that screen as the eyes get tired. So if you're in, a, in an anteriorly dominant environment, you know, does it make sense then after your nine hours to sit at a desk to go and train chest and biceps twice a week? We, we, again, we're going back to this concept of fueling a fire rather than putting it out. So, you know, maybe, and, you know, our goal, for example, there, if, it, if, that, if this was me structuring a plan around, say, Ted or whatever we want to call him, is that actually what we need to do is go on a, a program of opening up the chest, opening up the hips and strengthening the posterior chain and actually focus 70% of our effort on that rather than the sort of the superficial element. And what people are surprised by is, we're driven by insecurity. We're driven by the need to look a certain way and, and pecs and biceps are the ones. I mean, I'm just using this as an example yeah, now. And, and what actually, the, what people don't understand is that by creating dysfunction in the posture, by, by developing these muscles, you're actually, you're doing it, it's counterproductive. You're gonna look worse. You'll look more hunched, weird and sort of out of proportion. When actually, you know, I'm speaking for myself here. I spent years trying to look a certain way. I look the way I want now because everything's joined up. So actually, if we spend a little more time loosening the right bits up and then joining the dots, we'd actually all look a lot better. But this kind of, the, the narrative that is pushed is around, you know, bigger, faster, yeah. more, this is what you need, big biceps, you know, the, you know, the, the fitness magazines, you know, get big biceps in six <laughs> weeks, you know, 100 exercises to blow up your chest, you know, come on, like, we, we come on, grow up. We've, yeah. Let's move on from this now, you know. But it all begins with understanding, doesn't it? Because mm. if you, if you don't have the basic understanding of, like you said, the movement patterns, mm. the like the tightness patterns, mm. upper cross, lower cross, you, you you don't even know. You don't even realize well, what well, you're doing. And I just want to keep. I just do want to say because I'm always conscious that I, I never want to sound like I'm bashing anything else because I'm, there's nothing wrong with bench pressing. Yeah. But I do it like every every month. I go and see my mate. We have a powerlifting session, like nostal for nostalgia's mm. sake. All I'm saying is, think about your matrix of movement. Think about what you're trying to achieve, what you want to do long term as well. Like, how do you want to be running around with your kids when you're in your seventies? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? You know, but if you don't, I'm fine. Carry on. If you do, you got to rethink what you're doing with your hips. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's saying just you can approach these approach these exercises because everything works. But understand about balance. Understand about sort of load capacities and not overdoing it the whole time. Um, and actually just have a little more of an educated approach. But there aren't, in my opinion, there aren't enough resources and there aren't enough voices actually saying, right, hang on a minute. This is how we have to, to sort of, what we have to look at before we start overloading systems or overloading joints or trying to do the, trying to do the big things. And um, I suppose one of my sayings for there is that the devil is in the detail, but everyone's trying to be God. So actually we need a bit more devil. Let's stop doing the big, big moves and actually let's go back, look at the details and then we can move on as we get yeah. further on. So what's next for Lyft? Well, we just carry on, carry on what we're doing, <laughs> man. I think I'm very proud that we've, we've, one of my dreams was to always be an Esquire or GQ and actually take this narrative beyond the men's health, the men's fitness narrative and, um, and the mainstream fitness narrative and actually transcend into the, into the realms of high-end lifestyle and, and try and make that actually a, a norm. I'm very proud to be in Esquire. There's a 2,000-word editorial in Esquire coming out Monday with us. Amazing. So, yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. So, for me, it's, it's about, at the moment, it's all about engagement. It's about engaging. It's about building these, our sort of baseline model around the members and then looking to expand on that. And then once we have this proven model, which, in my opinion, it's already proven, man. Like, 
we sell out class. We've been open six months. Class is sold out. You know, Saturday night, Saturdays are full to the brim, man. There's people everywhere. And um, it, it's, a, it's great early days, great early days. So more of that for six months. I mean, the vision in my eyes is to, to get this place going, to really start being regular in these, these, art, in these articles for these top, top magazines and, and top publications do more of this stuff, spread, kind of spread the word, be the voice. And uh, once we have that, it would be to, to open more sites, yeah, for sure, and try and start to make this accessible beyond East London, as nice as it is there. <laughs> <laughs> um, your top three rules for movement and or training. training. So uh, I'd say be a bit more specific. So what, just just exercises or? Exercises. Or just, I would say, I'd say I would say, I would say it's a famous Bruce Lee, um, yeah. There's a famous Bruce Lee um, phrase, isn't there? It goes to um, be like water. The water becomes the, the, the cup. The water becomes the teapot. Well, the human body becomes the chair. <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, we can, it's be beautiful from Bruce, yeah? yeah but actually, let's, let's, spin really that, cool. let's spin that bad boy around, man. Like, the human body becomes the chair, bro. So if you're, if you're sat in that chair all the time, everybody is man like everyone's on the phone more everyone's sat down so i'd say the one thing is to look up vladimir janda understand what upper and lower crosses is super simple it's one google search and that would send you on your way to sort of helping to structure your workouts i would then say to remove stop thinking about the superficial muscles and actually really start to understand the core or the trunk for what it is and the core is not this is the rectus abdominis, it's not the six pack, it's an energy transfer system, which transfers energy across the body, through the body, and connects what I call the three pillars. So the hips, the spine, and the shoulders. So if we, if we the tuning, I always say it's like a car, okay? So if the, the hips, the engine room, the spine is the drive shaft, and then the, 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 the shoulders, the front axle. The arms and the legs are the wheels. The wheels give you the feedback to the road but everyone's trying to turn the fucking wheels into the engine room. You never tune a car wheels first. It's nonsense. So why are we doing it? And it's about, actually you could use metaphor like that and people start, it resonates with people, they start to understand it. Yeah. And actually what I would say there is stop tuning the, stop tuning the wheels, start tuning the hips, start tuning the spine and start tuning the shoulders because if those three are right and the feet are right, you're okay. You know, your elbows, your wrists, the knees, all of these, the, the areas which people get, you know, or the lower back, for example, you know, that's a classic one. Lower back, we've got massively anterior tilted hips on most people because of the tight hip flexors. The lumbar, with the, the thoracics are locked up from being sat down. So the lumbar hinge starts to basically do all the work. And then you hear, yeah. oh, my disc, my back, my this, my that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just starting to think a bit more. As well, I guess pragmatically about yeah. how you're approaching yeah. how you approach how you're approaching your training. So if I'm sat down all day, let's let's start by doing lots of hanging. So hanging is fantastically therapeutic for the shoulders and the spine. And I try and do as much as I can during the day. So hanging is a great one if we're sat at desks. Things like releasing the uh, the shoulders through working the shoulder through extension and flexion correctly. Um, again, it's difficult on here without showing you, but I'm sure mm -hmm. we're going we're to yeah. create some resources for people, Absolutely. aren't we? Yeah. So, okay, let's let's if we're going to do some resources, then I'll talk a bit more specifically because I think it's I think it's useful. Okay. So, hanging is the big one for the for the shoulders and the spine. Obviously, the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. Yet, the majority of people's is locked up big time. You know, not necessarily the hips are often often worse, but the mm. the, the shoulders are bad. Um, so then we need to look at moving the shoulder through extension and, and active flexion of the shoulder. So behind the back and above the head. 
Um, and then obviously we, we can move into to different elements where we're actually articulating the shoulder as well. That's, that's a little more complicated. Um, once we actually given ourselves a bit, of, a bit of play to do that, we can then go in and look at exercises to then strengthen the shoulder in these, in these positions actively. Um, because there's a big, big difference between us stretching and being flexible and actually then actually being able to put ourselves in that position. Yeah. So you've got to look at this a bit like I always, um, I love art, I love design. So I always say if I'm an artist and I have an easel, I have a, I have a canvas which has got a dark painting on it, I can't just paint over that with white, it will go gray. So I have to strip that paint first and then I can begin to layer on the white layers until my canvas goes white again and then I can create my masterpiece. So. You've got to look at this element here is us stripping the paint, stripping that dirty paint off of that, off of that canvas. Then once we've done that and we have a platform to start make, layering on that white again, then we get to ground zero, then we can start to build. And we do that with certain exercises. So things like, uh, you know, with, with scapular swimmers, for example, fantastic scap pulls, um, lots of protraction work. So things like uh, scap push-ups. Again, the list goes on. There's a million ways to skin a cat, you know. And then when it would come to the, the hips, for example, massively hip flexors and adductors on the majority of people. Um, but again, it's, it's the perception of the majority of, of people who are not, I suppose, well-versed in the fitness industry is that stretching is stretching. Well, no, it's not. Is it passive? Is it dynamic? Is it mm -hmm. active? Is it ballistic? Yeah. Now, which one's suitable to you? Now the majority of stuff that we do is active, active and uh, active and dynamic because what we want to do is actually reinforce these these sort of neuromuscular signals to these sleepy muscles in order that we wake that system up. Mm. You know, a lot of people are their signals, if you like. Again, I'm sucker for metaphors. Here's another one: is they're 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 operating on like five live medium wave frequency. You know, you see them trying to turn their glutes on. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and you see them twitching and they can't get it. And what, what we're trying to do in this process by using active mobility is trying to tune that radio so that it becomes digital. And then we, we that that's that's the why that's we, a solid metaphor. Yeah, I've yeah. got a few, man. I got a few. You've got you've got a, but um yeah, you know, we wanna we, we wanna essentially tune tune that tune that radio signal to the muscles. Yeah. And the best way to do that with with weak and tight, normally they're tight and weak, they're, they're weak muscles, so they, they just they're not doing anything. They're underactive. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, your stretching can feel quite sharp because they're pulling actually on connective tissue rather than actively mm -hmm. pulling through. Mm -hmm. So using this like loaded mobility, um, dynamic mobility. And, and, and different 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 forms of, of, of stretching you know, in massively in inverted commas um, is far far more effective but people aren't aware of that they just seem stretch oh, it's a stretch I want to you know yeah. pull my leg behind you know think like you know dad's mm. football on the, on the yeah. weekends you know <laughs> swinging the leg bit like leg behind and you One, know, two, we've shake moved, off. yeah 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 <laughs> round the you know shoulders rolling around or whatever <laughs> but you know it's that, that's there's a place for that but um you know the, the there's no again. It's it's fine. It's difficult to find resources that are, are concise and, and mm. you know because everyone's trying to outdo the next person. Say here's a great hip drill. Well, here's this. Here's that. Why don't you try it this way? Um, and what I've done at Lyft is is really try and find the exercises which deliver the most bang for their buck. So that you know I don't it's I don't want to give you a thousand new things. You'll never stick to it. If I give you four, then wicked. But yeah. I choose the four that I believe are the most effective. But I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not the all. You know, the last word on this, man. I got some great trainers. Ollie Frost. I have to give a shout out to. He's shown me some fantastic stuff with the hips over the years. Pep, um, Will Brown again. Pep's. Uh, I've just brought on to take some classes and, and one to one at, uh, at Lyft. He's a fantastic guy. Show me some great stuff. 
I said, Will, um, Ollie with the hips. I'm always learning. It's that beginner's mindset again. So what I might prescribe one week might change. But the great news is that I spend time on my knowledge and my experience and my learning, and that goes straight back to my customers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, man, growth. That's it. So it's gymnastic rings, hand balance, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Why the jiu-jitsu? Um, the jiu-jitsu was, uh, well, I think the jiu-jitsu, we align, and we've got the mobility. So region, the classes are, we've got, we've got ha- hand balance or handstands. Yeah. We do that in, in foundation intermediate. We then have the rings, and the rings are now split into foundation, muscle up, and levers. Um, motion, which is a locomotive class, which is all about controlling the body through space. So we're looking at actually linking these systems together and actually having control and awareness. Um, regen is the other one. So regen is kind of the beauty. It's the one. It's the one that I'd love to be the most popular, but it still takes some understanding. It stands for regeneration. And think about that as like rock and roll Pilates meets a bit of physio. So, and, and that's us, we, really with Regen, it's all about hips, spine, shoulders, the three pillars, and actually it's tuning that radio to make sure that you can then go in to other, other, other disciplines that we do, whether it's the rings, jiu-jitsu, hand balance, and actually have a solid foundation. Um, and I think it's important to actually say here that there's a big distinction between, in my eyes, between training and practice. So I believe that you train in order to practice well. Yeah, so yeah. I always say if you, if you want to play Mozart, you've got to play the right notes. Yeah, Absolutely. so we've got to make sure we're playing piano and not the trumpet. <laughs> so, you know, when we come to that, in, in, that, in that situation, you know, if, if I'm going to spend an hour with you and you've paid money to have my, have my attention for an hour, I want to make sure that you have the capacity that we can actually look at the details. What we don't want to have is people coming who, who are, uh, I suppose, underprepared so that we're actually mm-hmm. unable to perform the movement patterns correctly and then we end up kind of spinning our wheels. So the idea with regen is that and motion is that it physically prepares, you know, gives them starts tuning those signals as a prerequisite to us getting into uh, getting into the the finer finer details and the nuances of hand balance. Yeah, yeah. See what I'm saying? So then the reason that jiu-jitsu is in there is that, that the, the kind of ethos that's in jiu-jitsu and, and the movement, the puzzle, the, I think the fact that jiu-jitsu is a, is a, a, a um, martial art. Yeah. I you know, mentioned Bruce Lee already. Um, big fan, big fan of mixed martial arts myself, you know, big fan of all of this sort of stuff. And I think that the, the, the ethos of, of jiu-jitsu aligns very closely with, with what we push and lift, which is you know, respect. It's learning, you, you sit in attention to when the, 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 um, the coach is speaking to you, you take notes, you're a student, and I, I like that, mm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that, that's it for my questions. Yeah, yeah I think that's everything. Uh, Good, man. Thank you so much. That was, I learned a lot, even even though we, we've spoken a lot oh, before man. this. Oh, man, yeah, I'll you I learned a lot, times, lot today. I gotta write down some of those metaphors as well. Yeah, well, I got loads of them, man, we should do a book. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. We have come to the end of this episode of Push to Talk. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to find us on social media, you can find us at Health Push on Instagram, and you can also find Angus at Lift on Instagram too. Thank you, and until next time.